Hey, Upper Feasters. Hope you're having a great day so far. This week, I talk with the Wizard of Zoth founder, Spencer Saylor. He was my most requested guest of all time, so really thankful to talk with him. He's a super nice, chill dude. Really enjoyed our conversation. I really enjoy the way that he handles criticism. He stays positive in spite of some vitriol and, and hatred and stuff, and he focuses on his team and, and the food that they create. The reasons behind the initial long waits in their current ordering system. He tells me about the special domed oven and its limitations. His best-selling pizza and personal favorite of his own pizza. We had some great listener questions this week. Eat, Drink, Seabus asks, Inspiration for sesame seeds and hot honey. Eater and Chef asks, Where did you get the oven? How hot do you cook the pizzas? What is the dough hydration percentage? And we get into all that and much, much more. I feel like you must have like a really strong sense of self because your pizza is very polarizing and some people love it and some people absolutely hate it. And I'm the kind of person where if I hear, you know, 10 compliments and one insult, I tend to focus on that one insult. So how do you manage to stay so positive and like believe in your product? Yeah, it's not easy. (laughs) I, uh, I'm the same way. I, I know you and I were chatting about, you know, your home cooking and cooking at home. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, it's the culinary arts. And I think people forget that uh, cooks and chefs and people in the industry are just like your musicians, your actors, your, your visual artists. You know, this is something that to us goes beyond a job. It's a passion. It's something that we really love. And so getting that criticism is never easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'm the same way, you know, we might get 55 star reviews and two one stars. And so uh, what's important, I think, and and something you and I have talked about is as a business owner, you've got to be open to people's feedback. You've got to be willing to grow, to learn, to look at that feedback and go, well, is this something that we could, you know, work upon and do better? Or is it just ultimately their opinion and and they just didn't like it. And so over the last year and a half of doing this, I've been able to obviously kind of navigate amongst, you know, what is something to take to heart and take serious and what is mm-hmm. something that, you know, is, is kind of cool because you're creating this controversy. It's yeah. something people are talking about. And as long as folks continue to order and support the business, it's not something to get hung up on. So, you know, I'm somebody that's, that's dealt with mental anxiety and, you know, different things like that as, as most do. And luckily it's becoming more and more brought to light, but, uh, it's, it's not easy. You gotta be strong. You've got to have thick skin. There's some days where, where somebody's comment will hang with me all day and it's, and it's really tough and it's not easy to get through, but then something happens, something little that just reminds you that like, who cares? You know, I've, I've got a great team here. I've got great customers. I've got people that support what I'm doing, friends, family, and what we're doing is amazing. And most importantly, we're bringing food into people's lives and feeding them and That's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening so far. If you're liking it, please subscribe, tell a friend. If you're loving it, please give us a five-star review. uh, I'm initially from Youngstown, Ohio, which is Northeast Ohio, a huge Italian population. And so I grew up on a lot of cooking with my family and family recipes and uh, good pizza, good Italian food. And I moved down to Columbus about 10 years ago for college and ended up staying ever since. But one thing that for me was always missing was uh, that style of Italian food that I grew up on. You know, Columbus has good Italian food, good pizza, but you always want that taste of home. And yeah. so eventually uh, when COVID happened, I was furloughed from my job, trying to figure out a way to, uh, you know, keep going, making money, doing what I love to do, uh, was able to eventually open Wizard of Zah, which you alluded to. 
and uh, now have my own kind of pizza and, and comfort Italian uh, food spot. And it's been an absolute dream come true. So came a long way and I've always been in the food industry, but you know, now to be able to own my own spot, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. I, I imagine that has to feel good. And so you, you said that you were furloughed from your job and were you in the food industry before that or? Yeah. So I was a catering manager with a catering company in town. Uh, absolutely loved it there. I'm still really close with all the folks there, but you know, unfortunately when COVID happened, the hospitality event industry came to a halt. Yeah. And so um, that was a part of the food industry that couldn't keep going. You know, there's not really room to to create this takeout to go model when you're a catering company and you don't have customers like that. You know, you're working with businesses, weddings, things of that nature. And so uh, unfortunately we were all let go uh, and eventually brought back and now they're doing great because weddings are back in full swing and Ohio State's back and there's things happening. But for me, it was an opportunity to finally sit down and kind of plan out my dreams and and see if doing what I always wanted to do could be something and, and luckily Columbus supported it and got behind it. And, and here we are now. How did you go about selling your first pizza? Was it through Instagram or through like friends and family or what was that first pie sold like? Initially it started as just doing pizza for my family and friends. Uh, and at the time I hadn't even really thought about making it a business. You know, I just had a lot of time on my hands, like most folks who were all <laughs> baking and learning new things at home and cooking. And uh, I had some family and friends here from the Youngstown area that missed that style of pizza. And they had it. They absolutely loved it. And so I was like, wow, OK, well, maybe this could be something. And before I knew it, all of their family and friends that they had told about it were knocking on the door asking <laughs> how they could get a pizza. And so very quickly, I had to like do a 180 and figure out, all right, well, how do I sell these? How can I turn this into a business? And so I started operating out of different, you know, empty restaurant spaces, places that I could go that unfortunately due to COVID, they had extra space, they were trying to make extra money. And so with everybody just on that pizza craze around Columbus, trying to try all the pizza places, I was able to do so. But yeah, the moment that I first had somebody reach out was like, I want to pay you for this. It was just such a surreal feeling to know that like, wow, somebody wants to pay for something that I do, that I create. Um, I feel like that's probably such a great feeling across any industry. And so, you know, that first time it was awesome. And then, you know, making that first sale in the actual location that we're in now, that was awesome. And so, you know, those little things don't ever stop being incredible. You know, they feel just as good every time, which is really neat. Yeah. Uh, and just to continue to look back and go, wow, we've sold this many pizzas or we've, we've, you know, given pizza to this many people. It's just incredible. That's amazing. And I even posted this on, on my review is like, whether you love it or hate it, like it's objectively a conversation starter and that's really fun. And, and that's, that, that I take that as a win, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed your review. Uh, liked everything you had to say. Every, everything was fair. You know, obviously the weight sometimes is, can always be the, the hang up for most folks. Yeah. And luckily we've been able to narrow that down a lot. So, you know, before we had folks waiting, gosh, three, four months to get a pizza, which is insane. And to be honest, I don't know that I ever would have done that if it was like <laughs> reversed. Yeah. Um, but now, you know, to be able to have people order the day before or a couple of days before and come in, I know that's helped people significantly, but yeah, you put it perfectly. You know, I think a lot of folks forget that food is subjective. We, we've all got different taste buds. You know, you've posted places that you've loved that I know I didn't and mm -hmm. places that we both loved or we both disliked. And that's what's really neat about food. It's it's like politics. We've all got our 
our favorites yeah. and we'll, we'll fight for them till the end. <laughs> yeah. But what's important is that we're, you know, we're open-minded and we, we at least try it and we listen to what people have to say. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like it, it is literally as polarizing as politics because, and I think some people might even hate it just because it's popular, even if they've never even had it, they might just jump on the, the bandwagon hate train there. And that was actually, I'm glad you mentioned the weight because I posted on my stories uh, asking for questions and 35 people asked a variation of why the weight. And yeah. I tried to explain to them, because I know you told me something about your oven has like a limited capacity for, for quantity. Is that correct? Yeah. So, you know, it's two reasons. Um, one of which, which we kind of talked about at the beginning of our conversation, you know, this started as me by myself and never once was something that I was really strategizing or like planning to do. You know, this business just kind of fell on my lap. Uh-huh. And so here's me as one person with no experience of running a business with hundreds and then eventually thousands of people reaching out to try the pizza. And so with that, you know, I could only make so much pizza at a time by myself. And right. so that's what quickly started that initial wait list of me just having an organized way of going through and figuring out, all right, who was next that asked, you know, it was never set out for to create this hype or make it seem like we were selling out. I just literally couldn't make that much pizza. And, you know, eventually we got into our own space and we've been able to, over the months, work down to, you know, where we are now, which is making a ton of pizza and being able to get it, folks, on a much shorter notice. But yeah, the oven is the biggest thing and really the only thing that keeps us from being that day of call ahead, place your order and come in and get it. You know, we use a a brick fired oven that can only fit so many pizzas in it. You know, a lot of places in Columbus use a conveyor belt style oven or a deck oven where it's really easy to just pop it in, set a timer, boom, it comes out and that's it. Uh With our oven, um, because it's that big dome, it's got fire all around it. It has to be constantly moved and go through different stages of the baking process. And so we can fit eight to nine in there at a time every 20-ish minutes. The issue is that if somebody calls to place an order and we can only fit eight or nine in at a time, you know, that way for a pizza could be three hours. (laughs) And so just in an effort to create less of an inconvenience for our customers and for us ourselves, people can order it a couple of days before, whatever it is, know that they've got a spot. There's the time. There it is. And so we talk about it all the time, you know, do we, do we get rid of the beautiful, shiny wizard oven for the sake of making more pizza or do we keep it for how this all started, which was to bring back the artistry of, of, you know, making pizza, how it was originally made, which was, you know, by a fire, somebody tending it, moving it around. And so that's a conversation we have on a weekly basis and, and who knows where that'll go. You know, we would absolutely love to be able to offer people pizza on a, on a day of basis. We love being able to see some of our customers more frequently mm-hmm. and that's gotten better, but you always want to be able to be an option in somebody's mind when they go, I'm hungry for pizza. Right. Absolutely. They got to go and go, oh, well, shoot, I can't have wizard is out for three days. You know, that's not ideal for anyone. So we'll see where that goes, but it is 100%, you know, oven driven is, uh, is our inability to kind of open it up and just, you know, have a phone line. And so do you think that maybe because of the style, like the focaccia bread style, you require this type of oven or do you just like it? Cause it's kind of like more old school, kind of artsy fartsy a little bit. So our <laughs> oven that we use is actually not for our style of pizza whatsoever. Okay. So the oven that we're using is a Neapolitan oven and we make Sicilian style pizza. 
So your Neapolitan style pizza is going to be like Polly G's or uh, like Natalie's. Mm -hmm. Um, They use like a similar fired oven. And so it's meant for those pies that go in and they cook and they're done in like 90 seconds. Yeah. What happened with our oven is we had a really interesting opportunity to buy this really cool oven at a great price. And so initially I was like, there's no way this is ever going to work with this style of pizza. I need a conveyor belt. I need a deck oven. I need something like that. And one day I had the opportunity to kind of mess around with it. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. Like this is what, you know, pizza making is all about cooking with fire, being able to walk in and watch somebody moving your pizza around and cooking it and And that's kind of that fanfare I had always wanted with a spot like that. Looking back, it's like, maybe I would have made a different decision, but there's still that part of me every day that's like, we absolutely love people walking in for the first time and their eyes lighting up at that oven, especially kids, anybody that that isn't familiar with that. So it's a a pro and a con that that we fight with every day. Um, But uh, yeah, it is not at all for our style of pizza. It's kind of, to people in the pizza industry, it's very intriguing. They like hearing how we're making these Sicilian pizzas in a Neapolitan oven. So if you're like a big pizza kind of nerd about Uh stuff like that, it's really neat. But to the common person, you probably just want your pizza as fast as possible. (laughs) So it's it's like this in between. That's fair. And you know what's so funny, man, is... Uh, when I was working on my review for your pizza, because I've had Sicilian pizza in the past, like I lived in New York for six years. Yeah. And at, normally when I have Sicilian pizza, it just tastes like basically regular pizza. So I had to Google it because I didn't want to look like an idiot. And I'm thankful I did because everything that I necessarily didn't like about your pizza is because it's actually how it's supposed to be. Like, it's literally <laughs> like I looked up like authentic Sicilian pizza and it describes yours perfectly. So I yeah. just never had an authentic Sicilian slice. I've always had like a faux Sicilian slice. So you are making it legit and official. Yeah. Well, thank you. I, I'm glad that you, you did your research because yeah, I mean, nobody in Columbus does it either. And so we always get these like uh, comparisons to places that are just not our style. You know, a lot of folks just see a rectangle pizza and they think jets or they think yeah. polygies or whatever it is. And it's like, they're not even making Sicilian, they're making Detroit style. And so mm-hmm. there's so much to learn about the different styles. And ultimately, that's why I love pizza, because it's this one food, but there's like a million different ways to prepare it and uh-huh. do it. And so, yeah, I mean, if you read the definition of Sicilian style pizza, and you see what we're doing, yeah. that's it. And a <laughs> exactly. lot of folks, a lot of folks do, or they've had it and they get it. Uh, but a lot of folks haven't. And so you know, we knew when we set out to do this, it was going to be a lot of education. It was going to be a lot of uh, teaching people about this way of making pizza, this style of pizza, all of it. And so I knew the the craziness would ensue. Yeah. Uh, but for me, it was uh, something that was important to me and something I grew up on and something I wanted to spread to this area of, of people. Yeah, man. And you, you handle it with so much grace because I was looking through like your Google reviews and stuff and countless people are like, this Detroit pizza sucks. And then you're like, so kind. And you're like, well, actually this isn't a Detroit pizza. And like, yeah. that's just like, are you the person responding to that? Cause if so, you're very sweet. <laughs> I am. I am. And, and look, I get it. Like I'm a diner, like everybody else. I like to go out to eat. I want to get what I pay for. I work hard for my money. Like and so I've, I've experienced too many really bad restaurant owners, whether it's been as an employee or as a customer, that they're just so full of themselves and what mm-hmm. they're doing and, and all of it that they can't just stop and listen to somebody. And right. so I hope that the customer is willing to do the same for us 
and you know maybe realize like oh okay well now that i see that like i'm sorry you know the pizza wasn't for me and i wish you all the best and and we've had customers do that and that's always fantastic you know we love that and it's it's this great moment of like agree to disagree mm-hmm. but you know unfortunately we have folks that are just like i don't care i don't <laughs> you know i don't care that you gave me my money back i don't care that i didn't like it like screw you <laughs> right. and so uh you know all you can do is just do what you believe in and be nice to people and and try and leave everybody with a good experience. And so, you know, we pride ourselves on that and we try to continue to do that. Absolutely, man. And so I'm curious, what is your best selling pizza and what is your personal favorite of your pizza? Initially, the vodka pizza was very much the best selling. You lived in New York, so you probably saw vodka slices. It's really popular there, not really anywhere else. And so I too have family in that area. So I've grown up going there and and I always love getting a vodka slice. And yeah. so I was like, nobody is doing this in Columbus. This is so good. People love vodka sauce on pasta. And so it turned out to be a hit and folks love it. Uh, but most recently, we've seen a lot of people um, gravitating towards uh, the Briar Hill, which is actually a Youngstown uh, tradition where I'm from. It's basically just a lot of red sauce on crust with sweetened bell peppers and a heavy dusting of Romano cheese on top. So very much not your traditional pizza. So we find a lot of the popular ones are just the non-traditional ones that people want to try. And it's always super fulfilling when they come back and order it again or tell us how much they're, they're glad they tried it. Um, for me personally, I would say probably both of those are my favorite. You know, I, I grew up on the Briar Hill and that flavor. And so it's awesome to be able to have that here where I live now and not have to travel three hours back home to get it. Right. Um, and the vodka pizza. I mean, that's that's probably hands down my favorite one that we do. I think our entire uh, team would agree that the vodka is our like group favorite and usually yeah. the one we recommend to folks. Uh, but we, we feel good about everything that we offer. We, we keep a small menu, as you saw, and that's just because all those pizzas are done well and they're good. And so yeah. why offer things that aren't going to be done to the standard they should be done if we don't think they're there? So that brings me to one of the, the, the second most common question was, why are you making pasta now? Some variation of that. Some people would say, yeah. why doesn't he focus on getting pizza out faster instead of making pasta? Or why is he doing pasta? Like whatever. So some variation of why are you making pasta now? Like, could you elaborate on that maybe? Yeah. So, you know, obviously, like I mentioned with the oven, we're kind of at a threshold there where it's like, we're making as much as we possibly can in a night uh, with this process. So there's nothing we can do to get pizza out quicker unless it's changing the oven, unfortunately. As far as the pasta and things go. So Everybody on my team is either graduated from culinary school or a dietitian. So everybody is um, culinary educated. And so for us, you know, making pizza is fun, but, you know, we want more, you know, we're used to cooking all these different things. I have a member on my team, Dylan, uh, who you probably interacted with when you came and picked up your pizza, um, who is a very, very talented pasta maker. I have made homemade pasta for years and years. And so it's something that it is near and dear to us like the pizza. And so, you know, pasta goes hand in hand with, with pizza and it's comfort Italian food, which is, which is what we specialize in. And so we've started to offer handmade pasta, you know, once a week, folks come in and get it. We do a different dish every single week to kind of keep it creative for us and for people wanting to come back. Uh, So yesterday, for example, we did a bolognese lasagna that was delicious. 
Um, the week before we had done like a, a pumpkin spice cream sauce with some candied and spiced bacon and pecans. And so it just allows us to, to do fun things and, and expand upon. And then everything is done with a reason and a strategy in place. And so uh, there might be a concept down the line that, uh, that uh, <laughs> includes all of these things at, nice. a, um, at a daily thing that you can get. So you heard we'll, it here first, we'll folks. Wait and see. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I don't want to pry too much because it sounds like this might be secretive, but is this like a potential new brick and mortar, like a new, a brand new concept from Spencer? All of that pasta, we also do homemade ice cream. Um, all of that is kind of operating under the name Testa de Limon, which means lemonhead in Italian. Oh my God. And so um, <laughs> we've just kind of, you know, found it to be like, you know, let's create this other brand and use our kitchen space that we have to kind of build this new brand. And so, yeah, we absolutely are looking to find a way to bring that concept on its own to fruition uh, to not only give folks another opportunity to get their hands on Wizard is Out Pizza, um, but also, you know, have the ability to get this homemade pasta, ice cream, uh, Italian sandwiches, all sorts of different things within that gamut and allow us to continue to be creative uh, and bring Columbus just good homemade home style Italian food. Nice. That's dope. I'm surprised you didn't go with gelato instead of ice cream. So it's actually a very, very, gosh, I don't even know how to explain it. It's not ice cream and it's not gelato. Ooh, so gelato, as you probably know, is very egg heavy. It's not a lot of cream. Mm -hmm. Ice cream is very creamy. Mm -hmm. Ours is like right in the middle. And so uh, next time we do it, I'll have to have you come by and try some because it's a very interesting texture. Like yeah. it's, it's very creamy, but it's very egg heavy. And Fun. so it's like this in between, it allows you to get a lot of the flavor really well. You're not getting a lot of like dairy. You're not getting a lot of egg flavor. You're getting like this nice balance, which is great because we do some kind of obscure flavors. And so mm -hmm. you want to be able to get all the different levels in the ice cream. Nice. You're a mad scientist. I fully respect that. <laughs> I'm going to pull up some questions here. I just want to make sure I don't forget these. Okay. So eat, drink Columbus. They asked, what was your inspiration for sesame seeds in the crust and hot honey on the peps? Yeah, that is a great question. And actually both are attributed to poly G's in two different places. So I had had the Mike's Hot Honey for the first time at the Poly G's down in the short north, uh, maybe four years ago. Uh, went there to eat, saw this pizza on the menu with this hot honey. I was like, holy cow, this sounds delicious. I love sweet. I love spicy. I tried it. I absolutely loved it. And from then on, I started ordering Mike's Hot Honey online to just have it home and put nice. it on everything. And then uh, when I, you know, wanted to open my own spot, I was like, I love this stuff. People are going to love it if they haven't had it yet. And so now it's become like the new sriracha. I feel like people put hot honey on everything. Yeah. Uh, but it's delicious. So that's why, I, that's why I do the hot honey. That's where I found out about it. So uh, kudos to TJ at Poly G Center in the Short North because I absolutely love using it. <laughs> and then the sesame seeds I actually had for the first time at Poly G Slice Shop in Brooklyn and um, got a slice there. It was a Sicilian, Sicilian South Square. And they covered the entire bottom of their crust with the sesame seeds. And I mean completely, like they were falling off the crust because there were so many sesame seeds. And I absolutely loved it. And I was like, I would love to use them. I think a lot of people will be turned away if it's how they're serving it. Uh -huh. But to just have that little bit of pop here and there and folks be able to try it and see if they like it, I think would work well. And so for us, it's a great you know way for us to keep 
keep the dough from sticking to the pans instead of cornmeal or, or whatever else folks use. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's also something different that a lot of folks have come to love. Nice. That's great. Thank you for that. Yeah. And then um, the next question is from Eater and Chef. He was actually on the podcast. He's a great dude, him and his wife. Where did you get the oven? How hot do you cook the pizzas? And what is your dough hydration percentage? So uh, we got the oven from an old pizza Cucinova. So Pizza Cucinova was a uh, quick service Neapolitan style pizza place that Sabaro actually owned. And Sabaro is headquartered in Columbus, Ohio, which a lot of folks don't know. And they were closing down all their Cucinovas at the start of COVID. And so had a unique opportunity, like I said earlier, to get it at a great price. So we actually have two. One is in storage. It's got a, a twin sister um, <laughs> that is just bursting at the seams to be used. Yeah, uh, And so lucky enough to have that. It's obviously a piece of art. I know you mentioned it in your review. Uh, as far as the temperature goes, uh, it kind of switches between like 375 to 425 throughout the process. But those types of ovens get up to like 950 degrees. Oh so they get crazy hot, which if you could see my arm hair right now, <laughs> it is singed. Yeah. And, and that's at 375 degrees. So props to the people that are cooking them at 900 degrees, because I can't imagine what your arm hair looks like. Right. If you have any, we, we kind of had to change the way that we would use the oven for our style of pizza, obviously. So we cook it at a much lower temperature. Um, as far as the dough goes, so because of our limited space, you know, you saw we share a space with Fusion, you know, we don't have a ton of cooler space, we don't have a big walk-in cooler, um, we're kind of uh, restricted on the way that we can do our dough. And so we had to kind of tweak my original recipe that I was using to find a way for us to be able to proof it in a matter of like three or four hours because we don't have the luxury, like a lot of pizza places, to make all our dough for three, four days and refrigerate it and go that route of fermentation. And so our dough is made every single morning, bright and early. It sits and and rises for three and a half hours. Mm -hmm. And then we immediately par-bake it off. And so once it's par-baked, we then top it, throw it in the oven to cook it. And so it's very much not your traditional Sicilian style dough that you would use, um, but it does work well. It qualifies as Sicilian. And, you know, it's again, it's like the oven. We would love the ability to be able to just make all of our dough days in advance and and stick it in the cooler. But unfortunately, it's again, one of those things that just hinders us from being able to get to that point of like, call when you want a pizza. Dude, that sounds really like challenging because I feel like most businesses have a hurdle of they don't have enough customers but you have a unique problem of you have too many and it, there's genuinely no easy way to fix the solution like that's really like do you have any ideas on how to fix that because that sounds really challenging it, like I said I, I wrestle with the whole oven thing every day you know it's I've thought about you know getting a different oven in there and trying to find all right well what's still something visually that we could do that it would still make it more of an experience than just a going and picking up your food and, and handing over some money. And so uh, there's some ideas being tossed around and, and, you know, I'd love to get there, but yeah, you mentioned we've got a really unique challenge, which is, you know, so many customers, which is an absolute blessing and a, a mind blowing thought, especially throughout COVID. It's tough because part of you wants to fix these issues. And then the other part of you sees like, well, we still have, customers. It's not like we're needing to do this to get more customers or attract more customers. And so we're kind of walking this fine line of making sure that we're allowing everybody who wants to get the pizza to be able to get the pizza as quickly as possible, but also still staying true to ourselves. And so, you know, I think over the next few weeks, we'll be able to find what that looks like. Mm -hmm. But uh, 
until then we'll just keep keep struggling along like every other restaurant. <laughs> right. And so Spencer, you, um, you seem like, you know, you're very, like you take cooking very seriously and like, you have a lot of passion behind it. And I feel like you really respect like the artistry of food and stuff. So is it challenging for you to go out and be wowed? Like when you're a customer, like so you, I imagine you have high expectations. Like, is it hard for you to be wowed? Yes and no. It depends on where I'm eating. You know, I, <laughs> I've left a five-star review for a Wendy's like nice. three or four months ago because the, the person at, that took my order was phenomenal. You know, it's like I, I temper my expectations based on where I'm going and that allows the experience to be able to be, you know, phenomenal or fine or, you know, in some cases really, really bad. But if you come in with a you know level-headed mind, which I know is tough for a lot of people coming into Wizard because they've heard all the hype, they've read their reviews, they've done all these things, and so their expectations are so high, and so that's something we struggle with is well, how do we meet those expectations? But you know, I just try and go in and, and have an enjoyable experience. Luckily, because I'm in the industry, I understand you know when a server's having a bad night. I understand if the food's not perfectly on point. It might have just been who cooked it had a bad day. And so it's how do you kind of meet in the middle of being understanding and being like, I just paid for this meal. Like, I, I want to make sure I get a good meal. So, you know, I, I just went on a vacation finally for the first time since 2019 and had some phenomenal meals. And it was nice to get out and dine and just enjoy them. And I always try and go back and leave great reviews where credits do because I know how much they mean to, to businesses. Right. And Usually if I have a bad experience, I almost always reach out to the business first because, you know, like I was saying, people have bad days. You might've caught our pizza oven on a day it was running really hot or whatever it is. And so most businesses are going to be willing to make it up to you. You know, they're going to give you a refund. They're going to find a time to get you back in. And I can say for us, we do that. You know, I understand not every single pizza going out is going to be the 100% A plus pizza we want to do. And that's not at a lack of trying. And so we'll refund you. We'll have you come back in and try it again. And if it's still not for you, it's still not for you. Um, but I think as, as diners, we've got to be willing to give people a chance to, to do what they do and, yeah. and, and put on. Of course. And so could you give me an example of like a really great dining experience, like maybe even your best dining experience ever? Like most people, I've had my dining experiences at super high-end restaurants where that's the expectation. You get up to go to the bathroom, you come back, your napkin's folded, your water is refilled, yeah. and it's like you're starting over. And that's awesome. But as much as I love food like that, I'm I'm very much like you. Like I like fast, casual, quick, easy. Yeah. Um, just good, saucy, delicious, greasy food. Yeah, heck yeah. <laughs> and uh, as long as, you know, the, the team that's there and serves it is super nice and uh, respects me as a customer and the food is good, then to me, that's a, that's a win. Absolutely. Uh, Speaking of greasy, cheesy fun, do you have like a go-to munchie? Like what's your favorite, like I'm balling out junk food snack? I'm a big ice cream fan. So any like ice cream, cold treats, I love popsicles, like um, those ones you would eat as a kid that are like the single, like, oh, and the plastic thing. Yeah. You cut off the top. Yeah. I'll eat 30 of those at a time. <laughs> My fiance, she hates it because she doesn't like uh, food sounds like chewing. And gotcha. so those you're like crunching on the ice. Yeah. Um, so I'll eat like an entire box of those in one sitting. I'm a big snack person. I mean, I love like sunflower seeds. I'll just like chew and spit sunflower seeds all day. If I had the opportunity, I used to play baseball. So I'm just used to chewing seeds 
Right. Uh, Doritos, just chocolate. I mean, I'm just a junkie. All the snacks? <laughs> yeah, all the snacks. Give them all to me. <laughs> Do you have a favorite Dorito? Like, I, I think I just go classic, you know, cheddar. Like, the red bag is probably my fave. Yeah, if I like the red bag, but if I can take it to the next level with the spicy nacho, the, like, maroonish bag, yeah, uh, I do enjoy that. I also like the the chili one. Those I find that I'll be like craving it, and then I'll eat the whole bag, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to see that flavor for a year again. It's just like it's done. Yeah, it's uh, brutal. It just yeah, messes up yeah, your class- stomach. I'm a classic Dorito guy. Um, I will throw out a very many will call it disgusting uh, Dorito habit that I have, but I like to dip Cool Ranch Doritos in applesauce. Uh, don't knock it till you try it type thing. Okay. Although usually when people do try it, they're like, you're crazy. This just tastes like Doritos and applesauce. This is disgusting. But uh, it's something that for some reason I started doing as a kid and I haven't been able to stop doing it. It sounds disgusting, but I definitely want to try it. Now, do you use like a, a, a no sweetened applesauce or with cinnamon or what, what exact applesauce should I try? Whatever I can get my hands on, but I will say with cinnamon works really well, um, just because it's got some more flavor to it than just like apple. Okay. Uh, and nobody likes ranch and apple. So if you get some cinnamon in there, it kind of kind of tweaks it up. And yeah, you like dipping stuff. You Love like, dipping. Yeah. So give it a shot. If it's terrible, I'm not surprised. Yeah. I'll send my lawyers to sue you. You're so sued. <laughs> um, so I feel like that's probably an unpopular opinion. I was going to ask you if you had any unpopular food opinions, but I feel like Doritos and sauce, I, I can't imagine you could possibly top that. No, that is, uh, that's probably one of my uh, dirtier food eating habits. Otherwise, I'm a, I'm a pretty standard eater. You know, luckily my parents and family were very much like, at least try it once. And then if you don't like it, then, you know, we'll respect that. And so as a kid, I was always willing to like try it once. Like, I think I was like six or seven when I tried calamari, which to most people would be like disgusting. And I ended up enjoying it. And so I'm glad that I had that sort of upbringing and was willing to try things. But I also have a list of things that because I know I don't like them, I'm like, I'm not going to eat it. I know I don't like it. So that's fair. And so was it, did you try fried calamari or was it like a, like a pasta calamari? It was fried calamari. So it did help. But, yeah. uh, you know, now I'm a big seafood eater, so I'm totally willing to eat, uh, you know, squid or, or whatever it is prepared, however. Nice. And I, I know that this is a challenging question I'm about to ask you, but do you have a top three Columbus, Ohio restaurants? And I'm sure there's countless restaurants you love, but if someone were to come to Columbus for the first time, top three Columbus, Ohio restaurants. Oh gosh. Okay. There's one that I really don't like sharing, but just because I don't want it to be busier than it already is and difficult to get. Uh-huh. So, um, Taste of Greece Euros. It is on the corner of Indianola and Weber in the Saver Pint parking lot. I don't know if you've ever been there before. I have not. It's just a little red trailer. These Euros are some of the best I've ever had in my entire life, all over the United States. Oh my God. And uh, my fiance and I always joked because there's all these signs out on the street that say like best Euros in town, best kebabs in town. And we would always joke like, there's no way. And they've right. got the signs out. There's not a chance. Yeah. And finally, one day we stopped and I literally, I had to give the guy props. I was like, look, we drove by and made fun of this all the time. This is the best year I've ever had. <laughs> Dang. And uh, so the euros there and the French fries are incredible. So um, that's definitely top three and somewhere I like to, to take people. As far as like a nicer dinner, I love the top, um, mm-hmm. which is like the Bexley 
uh, Whitehall break there. I went to Capital University, so lived in that area a lot. So I love going there. It's always a great meal. It's old school vibes, which yes. I'm all about. And so I love the top. Oh gosh. I feel like Mad I, Men there, you know, like just drink a whiskey on the rocks and a steak mid-rare, like have yourself a time. Yeah, that's always, whenever we go, I'm like, gosh, please let me be the guy that retires one day that I have enough money that I just come here every day and I get my steak and my drink and I just eat at the bar. Get day drunk with your wife. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So maybe one day. Yeah. Um, Lastly, oh gosh, this is tough. I think lastly, I just kind of have to, I mean, Columbus has great food. So this is not any, any like missed a lot of the places I love, but I think I would just have to chalk it up to like our desserts, I think are phenomenal, whether it be bakeries like Le Chateau Lane, Fox in the Snow, so many good bakeries, Buckeye Donuts, Jenny's Ice Cream. I mean, mm-hmm. just like, I think desserts as a whole, you know, Ohioans, Midwesterners, we know good sweets. We know yeah, for sure. indulging in that stuff. And so any opportunity to do that, I love to do it. There's a lot of times I'll like go to a bakery like that and I, you know, I'll get like seven things and I go to check out and they're like, all right, it's $55. I'm like, holy cow, how? And then I eat it all and I'm like, best $55 ever spent. So I think just uh, desserts in general, Columbus is is up there, I think, competing with some of the best uh, sweet towns in the USA. Absolutely, man. So Spencer, I asked you everything that I wanted to ask you, but I always tell my guests, if there's something that didn't come up organically or just something that you want to say, now's your time to shine. Not necessarily. I mean, I think we covered it all. I, I, I guess I just got to say thank you. I mean, thank you for for what you do for the, the food industry. You know, a lot of the... Um, food influencer accounts and the people that share this stuff, it's, it's huge for businesses. I mean, I genuinely don't know how restaurants and whatnot uh, survive without social media and how it is now. Like, how did you get customers? You know, that whole word of mouth thing. And so thank you for that. Thank you for having me on. And the folks listening, if you've, if you've had us before, you've supported us, thank you, you know, from the bottom of our hearts, whether you liked it or not, it means a ton that you tried it out and supported our business. And if you haven't yet, please come try us out. You know, hopefully uh, I've done us justice in explaining what we do and why we do it. And, and you're willing to, to give us a shot and, and we see you soon and, and not in three months because you can order a pizza now in, in a couple of days. So uh, thank you, Anthony. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much, Spencer, man. Have a great rest of your day, buddy. Thank you. Bye. Hey, so that was the episode. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Please remember to share this with a friend, share us on social media, tell someone about it. Give us a five-star review. You know how to spread the word. I really appreciate you. And um, yeah, dippy dippy.